2: This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott'sOnAir, S C O T T S O N A I R. Sweet 16 is halfway in the books. Four games on Thursday are completed. Arkansas upsetting Gonzaga, 74-68. Houston beating Arizona as a tiny dog, 72-60. Villanova over Michigan as the favorite, 63-55. And then Duke, game closed at about a pick'em, a 78-73 win over Texas Tech. So I thought it was going to be a chalky Thursday. I really did. I had no plays on Houston, Arizona or Texas Tech-Duke, because those games were coin flips in my opinion. I was all over Villanova uh, laying the points. And then I thought Gonzaga would be a lot better than they were against Arkansas. And boy, I was wrong, man. They credit Arkansas because they really dominated this game from the beginning. Their defensive intensity was just too much. They never allowed Gonzaga to go on the runs. And that was the thing, right, is that Gonzaga, you kept waiting for them to go on this run because that's what they've done all season. They're the best team in the country in going on these scoring runs. And they did have one run at one point in the uh, first half, but Arkansas came right back. And so they never allowed Gonzaga to pull away. And I think that was really what was so impressive. Is that in that first half, like there was a chance. You thought that maybe um that there was gonna be an opportunity. And this was a 27-19 game. And you thought that, okay, this is the this is the point where, you know, Gonzaga's gonna go on a little bit of a run here. But then there uh Jalen Williams made a three-pointer, made it 27-22, then a turnover. And then a layup, now it's 27-24. Then another uh, uh, miss, and then another layup. It's 27-26, and then 28-27. Boom, right there. That was a run for Arkansas. And then in the second half, Gonzaga, you know, came out and scored a couple of points, but then, nope. J.D. Note was huge. He made a couple of big three-pointers, and the foul trouble That is what really did Gonzaga in this game. Chet Holmgren barely playing in the first half was a huge, huge reason why they lost this game. He picked up the three fouls, barely played in the first half. He didn't score any points in the first half. And then in the second half, you know, started to get into the offense. He had 11 points, 14 rebounds in the game. But him and Timmy could never get that you know two-man game going. And Nemhard was really, he was bad. There's no other way to put it. He was bad in this game. And so Gonzaga, unable to come back and really take any lead or tie the game or nothing. And Arkansas, they continue to shine. They really do. And Eric Musselman's got this team playing really well. They survived a scare against Vermont. They survived a scare against New Mexico State. And now they handle the number one team in the nation. The number one overall seed in this tournament. And so now they take on Duke. Duke, who is riding the fairy tale storybook ending of Coach K's final season. And it's it's crazy because I'm gonna have to pull out my gut bracket. I actually brought it with me. Cause it turns out my gut was way more correct than my final bracket. But I just felt that Duke was primed for a run. The way that Coach K came out after that North Carolina loss in the final home game at Cameron Indoor told the fans how it was unacceptable and how this season was not over yet and there was more to accomplish. And then they performed well in the ACC tournament only to lose to Virginia Tech, who... Desperately needed that win. They come out here in the NCAA tournament and they get a win, but don't cover against Fullerton. They get a late cover by pulling away against Michigan State. And then the win here against Texas Tech setting up an elite eight trip for Coach K, who has now won 100 NCAA tournament games. And against Arkansas, we got a spread right now on Saturday of four. I feel like if you like Arkansas, wait a little bit. This, to me, seems like a similar matchup in terms of betting-wise, like we had here with Texas Tech and Duke, where... A lot of sharp money early came in on Texas Tech, but then all the public money came in on Duke and actually pushed the line. Like, the the ticket percentages were overwhelming on Duke compared to Tech. And I think that's going to be the case here against Arkansas. I think there will be an overwhelming uh, ticket advantage on Duke. And we'll see if this spread moves a bit. Because I, I think if this gets higher than four, It's almost a a must-play on Arkansas. But right now, I know they're playing great. I just don't want to step in front of this Duke train. I just don't. Not with just everything kind of playing out for them. And there's also part of me, not a lot of me, but part of me wonders if the officials are influenced by Coach K a bit. And no, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about, you know, when like Phil Jackson would yell at the officials and so like they're scared of him so they start making calls for the Lakers. No, I'm saying like, they know, (laughs) they know what's on the line. It's the last dance for Coach K. You don't want to make a call that eliminates... Duke from this tournament you don't want to have a situation where it's the end of that TCU Arizona game and a foul should have been called on a player getting bumped but you let it play out like I feel like if Duke was in the Arizona role they swallow the whistle and if Duke was in the TCU role they blow the whistle there it could happen we'll see These officials get evaluated. They're moving on just like the teams are. The better officiating crews are going to be advancing through the rounds. So it's going to be the best of the best by the time we get to the Final Four in the National Championship game. I just don't want to get in front of Duke right now. I think Arkansas is the right side. I don't want to get in front of Duke. Hey, I thought Texas Tech was the right side, but I should have known. Don't get in front of Duke. Houston and Villanova. Houston is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and there's not much more you can say about how impressive they've been. And yes, the narrative coming into this tournament was the fact that they didn't have any good wins on their schedule. They lose to Alabama earlier in the year. They lost to Memphis, and then they beat up on a bad conference. Right? If, hey, people are going to talk smack about Gonzaga in their conference, talk about Houston and what they did to their conference. Houston dominated the American. They finished 15-3 in the conference. They lost to SMU, and they lost to Memphis twice. So they only lost to two teams in the conference. And then their best win of the season was beating Memphis in the conference championship game. They go into the tourney. They beat up on UAB convincingly. And then the win against Illinois, at that point, you would say, that is the only, that's the best win on their schedule, beating Illinois. And now, going up against Arizona. This was as impressive as, As you're going to get. Because they were in control the entire game. And even though they lost those two guards. Right around Christmas time. Two really good scorers. Kelvin Sampson has this team playing so well. And this is going to be an incredible matchup. Against the Villanova team. That is so smart. That does not turn the basketball over that makes the extra pass and takes good shots and as we know does not miss their free throws martha stewart the original influencer when
0: i think about anything i
2: think about the way that she did it
0: first the media mogul
2: but the six years ahead she saw what was coming the prisoner the rise the fall well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for best documentary feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. Thank you. Nova as an underdog, I like in this spot. And with all due respect to Houston, I don't think they have been tested a lot this season. I think Villanova has been. And I think Villanova tests them here. And Villanova comes through at the end. I like Villanova money line in that spot. I might do a Villanova money line, Duke money line. Because you're going to get the plus money on Nova. You're going to lay a little bit of juice with Duke. It might work out to even money. Maybe even greater on those two teams. That's my lean here. Let's talk a little football coming up next. Seth Walder from ESPN will join me on the program. We'll talk about the latest in the NFL as we get closer and closer to the draft and the market moving with each and every move in this crazy offseason. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Is the look ahead on V the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of City Casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are City Casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. Let's talk a little football here. It's been an absolutely wild offseason. And here to talk more about it is Seth Walder from ESPN. And and Seth, just when you looked at this offseason, especially the past couple of weeks, is this the craziest offseason you can remember in recent history? Yes,
0: I think I think feel like that's pretty safe to say. It's been insane. I mean, I, there's just so many moving pieces, but it's really fun. I mean, I, I, you know, as a football fan, how could you not like having this much action in in March of all times?
2: It's amazing. It is the madness of March that is not related to college basketball. But uh, there's been so many moves being made, and obviously the markets have changed in in terms of the betting markets when it comes to these teams. Uh, the quarterback market, obviously, is the biggest story as of late. Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are the favorites in the AFC North now. I don't know if I'm buying that, but with Deshaun Watson, are you buying the Cleveland Browns as contenders.
0: That's interesting because I think if you're thinking about 2022, I think it, it probably seems like there's a, a decent chance of a suspension. And I do want to say, you know, I, I continue to find it strange, like talking about Deshaun Watson from a football standpoint sure. when they're, you know, when we have <clears throat> just these awful allegations against him and, 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 you know, still all these civil suits pending. But from a football standpoint, I think that Cleveland's roster has a lot to offer. And if you were and if Watson were to play uh, for the entire season, yeah, of course, they would be a really dangerous team. But I think that's a huge if. Uh, yeah, um, but I do think that what they have, what I assume what made them such an attractive destination is like I mean, they have a great offensive line. Uh, you have a defense with a ton of talented players. I think that you could you've know, obviously have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Jok. Okay. I think I, there's a lot of players on that Cleveland team that make that team really good outside of Baker Mayfield. I'm talking about in the past. And so, yeah, they're definitely a threat if if they have Watson, a quarterback.
2: Where does Baker Mayfield end up now?
0: I don't know. You know, it's really interesting because. Because it's just like later in the in the process, and so you have so many. There's just like thinking about musical chairs. You have all these different teams who uh, who have already kind of like committed themselves one way or another. And Baker comes with an 18 million dollar cap charge, which is not a ton. But if he, but if you he, if you were already spending on another quarterback, then it might not make it might not make sense. To me, I think that Baker does offer some like intriguing upside for a for a team that needs you know that, that needs a quarterback because this is a guy that we consider to be a pretty decent quarterback heading into last season and he was hurt now I think his stock is obviously rightfully fallen far because of last season but I still think that there's a you know there's a what is there a 10 15 chance I mean this guy comes back and ends up being uh ends up being a franchise quarterback I don't know it doesn't seem that crazy to me
2: yeah no you're right um the AFC is just loaded right now when it comes to the quarterbacks and the talent that's in that conference Matt Ryan going to the the Colts how much does that elevate them off of what we saw last year from this team
0: yeah, absolutely. I think the Colts. Yeah, the, the Colts are intriguing with Matt Ryan now. I think that that offense was one where I know this is going to sound like kind of a uh, an obvious thing I'm about to say, but I, but I promise it's it's really unusual. Uh, but the Colts have uh, had last season were a more efficient offensive team running the ball than passing the ball. And I know everyone's going to say, well, they had Jonathan
1: Taylor, of course. But that's just
0: really, that's really unusual. You generally don't have, even even good rushing offenses are not as good as as most passing offenses. And, and so I do think that if you can elevate that passing game and you give Matt Ryan uh, that kind of a rushing attack, then I do think that there is some serious potential there. Now, is that enough to... Uh, get you to be a, like a serious contender in the AFC, I doubt it, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but I think that the, the Colts are still be intriguing in what I would say is a pretty well open AFC South.
2: How surprising was the Tyreek Hill deal in your mind for the Chiefs to let him go? And granted, they got a nice haul back, but for them to let him go and for the Dolphins to give up as much as they did.
0: Well, I mean, I didn't I didn't necessarily see it coming, but I think when you consider what he was asking for contract wise, you can understand what happens. I mean, like I think when people think about the salary cap and it being malleable, uh, that's true in a sort of like short term sense. But ultimately, you do have to you do have to you are limited in how much you can pay people. And so the chiefs had to move on or moved on from him because I think they made a series of poor decisions in the past that have hurt them. So you think about like trading for and paying Frank Clark and extending Chris Jones at the level that they did drafting Clyde Edwards, Alaire in the first round. Those are all things that uh, used up resources that meant that there wasn't enough to go around for someone like Hill, even though he's an incredible player Uh, to me, it's kind of a lose lose deal because uh, and I think this is true. I think the Adams deal was also kind of lose-lose because Miami gave up a ton for the right to pay him a huge amount of money. And whew, that is dangerous. I mean, that's just that's just a lot of resources going there. Um, I, I do think it made sort of made sense for the Chiefs to some degree to do this, but it puts them in a precarious situation where like they clearly need receiving help.
2: So now with the Dolphins, and it's not just uh, with Hill, they've made a bunch of acquisitions here in the past week or so. Do Mm -hmm. we elevate them as the second favorite in the AFC East behind the Bills? Ooh, good question.
0: I'm torn here. I'm a little, I'm still, I, there's a lot of talented players on that Dolphins team. I'm still wary of that offensive line. Even, though, you know, I think getting Armstead, that's great, going, you know, but, uh, but, you know, there's five players across the line, and, and theirs was so rough that I'm not convinced that Armstead and uh, Connor Williams is going to be enough there. But, oof, are are, have they surpassed the Patriots? I'm going to lean no, but mm-hmm. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about it.
2: Okay. <laughs> but, okay. you know, it's, a tough, it's a tough call. Who's won, who's won the offseason so far?
0: Well, Denver, I think if you're thinking about like, well, like who, who made them move themselves from non-contender to contender because just adding Russell Wilson – it's hard for non-quarterbacks to have the kind of impact that, that that's going to have. And and so, yeah, I mean, Denver is a legit threat now. So I would consider them like winning the offseason. But that was kind of one big move. I definitely think that the Chargers have become a really scary team. And I think a really fun team uh, doing what they probably should, which is sort of pushing their chips in with Justin Herbert, who is just, yeah, I think his season last year was underrated. I mean, he was probably i think he was sorry no clearly a top three mvp last year like i you know people were debating brady and rogers and i think it was herbert was was clearly number three and so you're in this situation you've got that rookie qb you add someone like jc jackson and khalil Mack. i think that that makes them very interesting so i do like what the chargers have done as well
2: would herbert be a good bet for the mvp coming up this season
0: Yeah. You know, they asked us right after the year. I don't know what the odds are. You tell me, but they asked us right after the year, pick your pick your MVP for next year. And I I picked Herbert. So I do think that uh, I do think that that absolutely could be a possibility.
2: Yeah, he is uh, still behind uh, Mahomes and Rogers and Brady and Allen. um, So he still can get some good value. On Justin Herbert, maybe around that between twelve and fourteen to one market here. And I, I listen, I'm I'm gonna be all in on the Chargers because I was all in on them last year and it just didn't work out. But I thought that this team was talented enough last year that they could have made a run through the AFC postseason.
0: Totally agree. They need a right tackle. I want them to go get um, Billy Turner from the Pat. You know, who used to be he used to be with the Packers. Like in our pass blocking numbers, Turner's been a solid right tackle. They just got to get good pass protection. And I think Turner would be a good option for them.
2: Hey Seth, appreciate the time and the insights and uh, enjoy the rest of this wild off season. Thanks. Appreciate it. He's Seth Walder from ESPN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's air. S C O T T S O N A I R coming up next. We're going to get into the uh, hockey. See what's going down here on Friday. Try to find some winners on the ice. Uh, I had a nice little parlay going on Thursday night that um, needed the under in the Stars game to hit. And it was 0-0 after the first period, 1-1 after the second period, and the game still went over 6.5. It was 3-3 at the end of three, going into overtime. But we're going to get the winner here coming up on Friday. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on Sin, the Sports Betting Network. Sports betting network. Wendy's breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast Baconator, croissant combos and hotter cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes and a simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your Wendy's drive-thru, your nearest Wendy's drive-thru. Pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on vCin the Sports Betting Network. Let's take a look at what we have on the ice coming up on Friday. And it's a small schedule, but a couple of good games. And a couple of high prices as well. Capitals are at the Sabres. Washington is minus 200 on the road. Penguins and Rangers in a key game in the Metropolitan Division. Pittsburgh is minus 120. Blue Jackets take on the Jets in Winnipeg with the Jets minus 210. Flyers are in Colorado. The Avalanche are minus 430. Wow. And then the Coyotes in Calgary to take on the Flames. Flames are minus 440. So these are very heavy lines for the Flames at home against the Coyotes and the Avalanche at home against the Flyers. Let's start with the Flames. They should win this game. We know that they're very, 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 very good and much, 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 much better than Arizona. The problem is, is that Calgary has absolutely nothing to play for. This is a dangerous part of the season for them because they are pretty much locked into the one seed in the Pacific Division. They're five points up on the Kings, and... As long as they maintain, you know, a nice cushion, they're not in jeopardy of losing out on that. They're certainly not in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. They have 84 points. Uh, They're not going to chase down Colorado for the number one overall seed. So really, the only thing for them is to just make sure that they hold off the Kings, who are in second place right now, and make sure that they finish in first place in the Pacific Division. This is a total mismatch, right? Arizona's a very, very bad team. Arizona is 20-39-4 this season. They have the lowest amount of points in the NHL at 44. Calgary is 38-17-8 at home this year. Calgary 19-6-6. Arizona has lost three straight games. And Calgary, meanwhile has just, they lost their last game, but they've kind of gone back and forth. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. So you would think that the pattern would continue, and after a loss, this would be a win. You can't lay that number. It's stupid high. And the puck line is high, too. Calgary minus a goal and a half is minus 160. They probably win this game, and they probably cover the goal and a half. But I don't know if I want to lay it, and I don't know if there's a better way to play this game. I was thinking about the total. You know, if you look at the Arizona games as of late, really just all season long, this team plays a lot of overs. Uh, Six. These are the goals in their past several games. And let's count... uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Let's just go, let's go eleven games, all right? Six goals, six goals, five goals, nine goals, eight goals, five goals, nine goals, eleven goals. You, you notice a pattern here? Thirteen goals, three goals, eight goals. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's just in the last ten, there have been one two, three unders. They're seven and three to the over in their last ten games. Or actually, no, because uh, I think some of these, I think the Kraken might have been five and a half, but the Sharks I think was six, so it might have pushed. Anyway, we're getting six goals in these games. Calgary, meanwhile, seven goals, seven goals, one goal, yuck. Nine goals, three, three, five, nine, four, seven, nine, six. 10, 8. I think we should get an over. I kind of like the over. It's at 6.5 right now. And the under is actually juiced at minus 125. I don't hate a first period over. It's minus 150, the first period over, but... We probably get some goals here. And how about this? Flames puck line first period is minus one ten. Flames go into this uh go into the break with a one nothing lead or a two nothing lead. I I think I'm more comfortable getting over one and a half goals, though, because I think maybe Arizona does score. I don't know who's gonna be in net for Calgary markstrom was in net in their last game where they um where they came off a loss so that would be one that i would certainly want to take a look at if markstrom is not in net then you uh then you got to take a look at that so feel like at so it's circa line is at six here for the total in this game that's a little better than six and a half at six, I'd play it. So I'd go over six in this game. Six and a half, uh, I'm not on that. But I think, because you get the push protection with six. A 4-2 finish, 5-1. This game does have the potential to be, you know, 5-2 to two, though. But I like the, yeah, I, I would say just just do, do the, I like over first period maybe, over for the game. And yeah, I guess Flames on the puck line, but I've also seen Arizona win a game like this, like they have against Colorado in the past. So I would stay away from that. Speaking of Colorado, now this is the heavy favorite I would play. Colorado's minus 425 at home. You're not going to play that. But minus 150 at the minus a goal and a half puck line. This is why I like Colorado. First off, Philadelphia is coming off of an upset victory in St. Louis winning five to two over the blues. Just a great game from a bad team. And now second night of a back-to-back have to go to Colorado and face the Avalanche who are coming off of a loss. Now Colorado has not lost back-to-back home games this entire season. They are one of the very best home teams in the NHL. In fact, this entire season they have only lost back to back games four times that's it at home they have never lost back to back games so losing to vancouver at home and now facing philadelphia at home i think this is a colorado win and for you know you kind of want to look again what do they have to play for they are the number one seed. They're going to finish. Uh, they're, the, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. They are tops in the Central Division. That is locked up. However, the President's Trophy is on the line, and because they have been slumping as of late, they're five. five they've only won five games out of their last ten. They're five, four, and one in their last ten. Florida is surging. Florida has won eight of their last 10 games. And so Florida now is just three points back of Colorado for the most points in the NHL and the President's Trophy. In fact, Carolina is at 91 points. They're four points back. Colorado also... There's a couple, you know, you kind of got to be weary a little bit because they have struggled in the postseason. And so maybe they want to rest down the stretch and then go into the postseason rested. Or is that what did them in in years past? And do they want to go in playing their best hockey? Got a couple of weeks left in the season. They can finish, they can win the President's Trophy, claim some victory. Ultimately, I just don't think they want any bad vibes. And the fact that they have not lost back-to-back games at home this season, I'm going to bank on that to continue. So I'll lay the puck in a half with Colorado at home. Elsewhere, Rangers, Penguins, that's going to be a battle. Right now, you can get uh, Penguins minus 120, Rangers plus even money. Five and a half is the total. This could be low scoring because this is going to be a playoff type game between these two teams. We'll take a look now at the Friday games in the Sweet 16. Pick out the winners coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v send the Sports Betting Network. Need bracket insurance? State Farm is there. Play the free Second Chance Bracket presented by State Farm. Make new picks in the Round of 16 for your shot at a share of $20,000 in cash prizes. Head to draftkingscom Farm now to join the action. State Farm. We offer surprisingly great rates. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. Let's take a look at the Sweet 16 games coming up on Friday and make some official selections, shall we? First off, I, I know I'm pretty sold on one of these games. I'm pretty sold on, I'm, I'm getting there on another. Another one I'm, like, iffy about. And then one I'm just not so sure. <laughs> let's talk about the one, let, let's go in order of uh, confidence. How about that? Most confident, UCLA over. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for best documentary feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. For North Carolina. And I know you're like, Scott, it's the lowest spread of the day. How is that the game you're most confident in? I am. I think this UCLA team is much better than North Carolina. And this is, I understand, North Carolina has looked good this tournament. The blowout win against Marquette was very impressive. And then going up by 25 against Baylor was just, it it, it was dominant. What an effort. Now they blew the 25-point lead. And yes, I think a lot of it had to do with Brady Manick getting ejected from the game. And so him being ejected from the game changed everything because he was hitting some big shots for them in that game. And in fact, Manic had 26 points. He was four of eight from three-point range in the game. And yes, when he got ejected, it definitely changed things. But they still blew a 25-point lead. This is a team defensively that allowed Baylor to score 51 points in the second half. I worry about that. Yes, everyone's going to talk about the 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 building up the lead, right? You got to build up the lead, right? Yes, good. Yes. I I get that. And they they were impressive. They built up the lead. But this is a team that ranks 43rd on Ken Palm in adjusted defense. UCLA, 14th. And sure, offensively, they're pretty good. 19th in adjusted offense. UCLA is 12th. If this game was played... Prior to the NCAA tournament, on a neutral floor, UCLA is a a heavier favorite than two points. It just it to me it makes sense. They're a better team. Look at all the metrics. They're a better team than North Carolina, but with North Carolina looking very good in their first two games of the NCAA tournament and with UCLA kind of struggling with Akron and yes they looked great against St. Mary's I just think that there's a little bit of recency bias built into this line I think UCLA should be you know maybe and maybe the Hawkes injury concern is something that is uh, that is the reason why this this line is 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 not as high as it was, he's day to day. He has sprained right ankle. He is going to attempt to play. And in the open practice period that the media was available to watch on Thursday, Jacques ran, backpedaled and shuffled through warmups and appeared to move without any discomfort. Mick Cronin said, quote, he's going to want to try and play. The question is, can he be effective? In the last eight games, he has averaged 20.5 points. UCLA has gone 7-1 and one in those last eight games. I think even without him, UCLA wins this game. With him, absolutely. I'm on UCLA. That I'm most confident in. Second game I'm most confident in. Providence keeps this thing close with Kansas. In fact, I think Providence has a good chance to win this thing outright. I've bet against Providence in this tournament. And they proved me wrong. They look really good in their win over Richmond. Dominant. Kansas, meanwhile, struggling with a Creighton team that almost stung them. Kansas relies on a lot on Remy Martin now, who has emerged as of late. They rely, they rely a lot on Obaji. Providence, meanwhile, have, to me, the fact that they've been in so many close games, the fact that they have won so many close games, I know that they are the number one luckiest team, according to Ken Palm. Yeah, I get it. They're lucky. Sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. This team, there's something to him. There's a belief here. There's a belief that they can win. And sometimes when you get lucky, when you come through in all of these close games, you develop a confidence, you develop an attitude that you can win and should win every one of these games. And I think if this comes down to a late game situation where the it's a close four-point game, three-point game, whatever it is, Kansas is going to feel the pressure. Whereas Providence, especially after watching Arizona and Gonzaga lose as one seeds, Kansas will feel the pressure. Providence meanwhile will feel like they've been there before and they can handle this situation because they've handled it before and they've won. I like Providence plus the 7.5 and I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Next, Miami against Iowa State. I think Miami wins this game. I think Miami's more athletic. I think Miami gets out and runs. I think Miami takes the basketball away. That's the thing here. Miami takes the basketball away. In the game against Auburn, they ran up and down the floor. They had 10 steals in that game against Auburn. 10 steals. They had 12 steals in the game against USC. That's what Miami does to you. They get their hands on the basketball, they get into the passing lanes, and they take the ball away. I think that they're going to be able to continue to do that, and they're going to be able to win this game against Iowa State. Iowa State, who narrowly got by LSU, and narrowly got by Wisconsin. Give me Miami in that matchup. And then, the game that we're all excited about, but we just don't know. St. Peter's and Purdue. I think the move here is St. Peter's in the first half. I also like St. Peter's taking the points for the full game. This is... uh. This is a gritty team. There's no other way to put it. This is a team that has been counted out, a team that um, no one gave a chance to. They proved it was not a fluke after beating Kentucky. They then go wire to wire against Murray State and now against Purdue, 12 and a half. It's just a lot of points at this point in the season. This is not a first-round game. This is not a second-round game. This is a Sweet 16 game. Things tend to tighten up as you get later and later in the tournament. I don't think St. Peter's can win this game, but I do think they can keep this within the 12-and-a-half number. In fact, I'm going to buy a half a point just to make it 13. But I think St. Peter's does cover this basketball game, and I actually like them to cover the first half as well. Maybe they'll be down by five at the end of the first half. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. S C O T T S O N A I R. Can't wait to see how these games unfold here on Friday night. This is the look ahead here on VSin the Sports Betting Network.